0: Welcome to the Hail to the District
1: podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hail to the District podcast. Uh, Pat and Rajan here again with part two of our review of the picks made by the Washington football team in the 2021 NFL Draft. Which means if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you go do so as we spent a good amount of time evaluating both the pick as well as the potential impact of linebacker Jamin Davis, who Washington obviously took with their first round pick in said 2021 NFL Draft. So as we implied uh, multiple times in the previous episode or part one of the series, if you will, um, we're talking about the other nine selections that Washington made during the draft um, and as well as a really interesting loan undrafted free agent signing made by the team. But before we do that, I will stop talking momentarily and let you Pat chime in with your initial thoughts on this.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big fan of this draft. I think um, we said in our last podcast about uh, About Davis, but like, unless you're a Raiders fan or maybe a Texas fan, you're going to be pretty pumped by your draft class. I was particularly excited about this draft class for a couple of reasons. But uh, I I know this will pop up. We we just talked about it off air, but like, every single person we drafted is either the most freak athlete ever or has an extraordinary name, like Cheeseman. Um, yeah, um, and you know. You look back at some of our old drafts with, like, Bruce Allen as an example, and a lot of those draft picks are based off of potential. Uh, but, like, there's a lot of red flags that pop up around it. Like, the Bryce Love is the one that pops up to me probably the most. But then you also look at Geis. You also look at all these other – we, we drafted Drunk Christian in the third round, uh, which pissed off Trent Williams, and that saga kicked off – you look at this draft, and this is Ron's second draft, but it's really his first draft if you really think about it. Because I mean, he was hired what in January of two thousand twenty, and then rolled into that April draft with with like scouts you didn't the know, yeah. Kyle still running the show. Plus, it was virtual.
0: Yeah, <laughs> right? not to mention the whole pandemic thing.
1: Yeah, not, and not to mention he's about to be um, he's about to have cancer. Right? Like, there's a lot going on in that draft. So this is his first real draft. And it's with his own guys. He had multiple GMs involved. And I think what you saw is kind of a blueprint of what Ron wants to do with this team. And he's harped on it. He's, he hasn't hid behind, you know, smoke and mirrors. He's trying to build this team. And like, when you look at these picks, some of them aren't sexy, right? Like drafting Cosme in the second round is not drafting David Mills or Kellen Mond. It's not a sexy pick by any means, but now we have extraordinary depth along the offensive line. Right. We lost Moreau, so he attacks it with the cornerback and gets St. Justus. Uh, I have been standing on the table waiting for us to improve this damn wide receiver core for a long time. And a lot of people, like a lot of smart people, really think we got an absolute steal in uh, Brown in the third round. And then from there, you can just see how he um, built out this draft. So I think this draft is all about, like, these guys don't need to play right away. They can sit. They can learn. They can bake, for lack of a better term uh and i'm really excited about it because i think it's like it's a football draft it's not about who's the coolest name or sexiest name on the board it's about how do we get better even if that position's already good uh and how do we create depth because ultimately we have we have five nfc east games to end the season Uh, week 14 we we need to be healthy or we need to have a lot of depth to get there and that's what this draft is all about, in my
0: opinion. That gauntlet at the end of the season really sucks. That, we'll save that conversation as we decided for another we day. We played
1: Dallas or Philly four consecutive weeks.
0: Yeah, literally Philly-Dallas, Philly-Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, or it's, it's Dallas-Philly. Yeah, it's some permutation of that. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, again, another conversation for another day. Uh, my initial thought on this, I kind of – uh, chuckled at the irony if you will so after we took davis with the first round pick i remember actually distinctly wrote this down uh that john Kime um he literally treated something to the effect of uh left tackle cornerback safety tight end and running back are the remaining identified positions of need of this team and they literally like a like a to-do list or a checklist addressed each one of those at some position we're at some level through the draft. I I say some level just because one of them was an undrafted free agent, which we'll get to in in a short moment. But like it's, you know, a lot of times, you know, a lot of teams, which I agree with in some level, like they, if there's a position of need, they'll attack it with multiple picks. Uh, to kind of hedge their bet. That's one thing. And then we talked about that. We had the conversation in the previous pod about like best player available, you know, just get the best 11 guys on the field, yada, yada, so forth. You made the very, very sound point that a lot of teams talk about that, but they end up just taking the best player available at a position of need, which I think very much echoes um, what they did here. But I think they took in many cases two things, which we talked a little bit, talked about both off air. They took the best freakish athlete they could find at positions of need. And Freaks. Cosme they, is a freak. There's a lot of freaks. I mean, even if you want to talk about your boy St. Juice, like there's just some dudes that are freaks. And we'll we'll, we'll get there throughout the course of this. Um, and they stocked the cupboard. And I think we're going to hear this theme a lot over the course of the pod that they took guys who they don't need and are probably not even thinking of getting significant contributions from them in 2021. They, this is very much the thinking two years ahead. And I think that's great because – you have you, you got the athletic skill set, as we just said, and then you buy time to develop these young guys and potentially see what you have two to three years down the road. So you're not forcing yourself to overpay for you know, certain veterans or anything like that, and you can just kind of you know, build the team for a long, over the long term or have a team be sustainably good over the long term versus you know, trying to duct, tape, to duct tape the Titanic to keep sailing, if you will.
1: Yeah, I think the I think it's a stupid observation to think about. This draft class is about 2022 and on. And I know we're going to go in reverse order here, but, like, I'm a big believer that the way Ron's building this team, Sheriff is way gone. I know Ron loves Scherf, but, like, he has said no to multiple contracts now. Uh, and all of a sudden, like, we are – if you look at our – this is getting away a little bit from the draft, but – we're basically too deep at every – literally as of 832, Let's that May 13th, uh, uh, we are too deep on the offensive line. Like, we got to have the most depth. In the, and I'm not saying this because I'm a Redskins fan. We may have the most depth along the offensive line in the entire NFL. We're too deep at every position. Um, and I bring that up because left tackle, it, to loop it back into the draft, is like we drafted Cosmic high, 51, even though I'm still I'm still – surprised by the pick because i thought we're taking the uh, Notre Dame guy um but now that Charles pick from last year is even more intriguing because we can move him to guard Cosme could play guard if he really wants to because now that we've signed Charles Leno exactly we have like we have like four left tackles (laughs) right all of whom can play multiple positions along the line and then you have Ruyeh and Ishmael in the center and all of a sudden like our our team on the offensive line is deep this year and next year
0: so much he does I mean, have to play right away. Obviously, like injuries was the big the the injury to Dak Prescott in Dallas, which is a major thing that kind of tanked the entire season. But for those who remember the first four to six weeks of last year, when Dallas was struggling because I think Zach Martin went down, and I think. um, Tyron Smith had some had some back issues or he had some he had some injuries that were plaguing him for the early part of the season, like their offensive line was Swiss cheese and they were getting their ass handed to them and Ezekiel Elliott was just trash to start the season last year and like, I'll say nothing good about the Dallas Cowboys, but in an objective realm, Ezekiel Elliott is a very, 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 very good running back and they were stumped because their offensive line was so uh, hammered and they had no depth there because they like to spend money on other positions. Um, like handing you know matching Amari Cooper, up you know, Amari Cooper's hundred million dollar contract, that they didn't have any depth behind them, and their entire offense sputtered, which led to you know the sputtering of the season over the subsequent injuries. Um, and we, it's it's wonderful to see kind of bringing it back full loop to Washington that like we are potentially not in that position. If uh, you know if Lucas goes down yeah. again, you've got potentially charles leno and if we don't have to put all our eggs in the sadiq charles basket like think about what we've done exactly to everything you were just saying The too deep literally of re- semi-reliable if not very reliable dudes and we're not even talking about Jerron christian who's probably a goner at this point he's
1: getting punted yeah different yeah. different regime he's in his last year i think of his rookie contract uh, no way he makes the team i would yeah. in fact in fact i would bet my 401k he does not make the team
0: He can join. Yeah, I was gonna say he can join on uh, the Stephen Sims on the uh,
1: nice knowing you, but uh, you know, get the hell out, Trent. That was one of that's easily one of the worst picks we've ever had. It pissed off Trent, and he was garbage,
0: and we took him in the third round. So starting with the undrafted free agent acquisition. Um, Jared Patterson from Buffalo was like, he was never going to be like an early round pick or a day two pick or something like that. But the dude ran for a billion yards at Buffalo. Like he was mega ultra productive. Um, he 400
1: yards in one game.
0: He, he had 400 yards and some absurd number of touchdowns. Eight eight yeah. Eight, eight, one a 408 touchdown. I mean, I get it. It was against Kent state, but that's still like, that's really hard. He, that's Mac action, baby. Uh, 179 yards per game rushing. Like, I don't care what you're doing or where you're playing. That's something. Like, that is a thing, right? And so everyone freaked out about him because, like, well, he's small. You know, he's uh, I'm trying to look up the stats, but basically, yeah. So he's really small. He's even shorter than I am. He's a bowling ball, which says something. He's five, five, six and a half, and 195 pounds. He's Rock Curry yeah exactly right. I mean rock Cartwright was a very solid player, like he might not have been the most explosive guy in the world, but he had himself an nfl great career um great team's player uh three se- in three seasons he had thirty eight hundred thirty nine hundred yards and fifty two touchdowns in three years like what in the actual jesus h fuck like are you serious um and in a year like there was this was not a good year for the running back position like you had uh etienne and like I was actually kind of the more and more I was watching Travis Etienne, I'm like, eh, he's good. He's not as much as good as I thought he was
1: like early on. You don't draft. You don't draft a hybrid running back in the first round, I, I especially like that, because, guy. especially because you panicked and you wanted to get uh, who they want to draft. Did they, who do who do you openly say you wanted? Kaderius yeah, Tony. he panicked, so he took Etienne.
0: Yeah, so, a total pick. Right again, as we were talking about, right after you had James Robinson welcome, for a thousand yards. Welcome
1: to NFL
0: Urban. Jesus. Good job, Urban. Um, so even so, in a draft class where there wasn't good like those Najee Harris, there was um, ETN, and then basically just a bunch of dudes. After that, I'm sure I'm missing some. Ohio ideas. State kid's
1: pretty good. I forget. Uh,
0: name Trey name. Sermon was good, and there's somebody. Oh, um, everybody loved the guy who they were fighting. Oh, the UNC guy, and I'm like, I I didn't do my homework enough on him. Up there's there, UNC had two
1: guys. Um, Michael Carter was good. the other
0: one um but patterson was basically just in that tier 3 or tier 4 a couple of tiers but uh behind that and again mostly because he was he's kind of small but um so dane brugler you're going to hear me reference him a lot dane brugler is the draft analyst for the athletic he writes this mega super incredible draft guide that is complimentary for everyone who subscribes to the athletic it's like 500 pages covers like you know 500 players some absolutely absurd monstrosity um and he does really good comps in it as well so and he has really good obviously scouting reports in it so he compared it to miles gaskin who was a running back i believe with the dolphins last year small guy um my comp for jared patterson again you know there's there's a few hurdles which we'll talk about in a second that he has to kind of clear but reminds me a lot of philip Lindsay, the guy who ran for a thousand yards or right around a thousand yards as a rookie with the broncos a couple of years ago like very similar over a thousand
1: pro- yards he's been over a thousand yards twice i think
0: has it twice i, I knew he had at least one so great fro uh for he does o. have an excellent fro um I, he reminds me a lot of him and i think similar size similar scouting profile uh from everything we know Patterson doesn't have the same hands or dual threat ability, uh, that Lindsay does, but I think he wasn't asked to do that in Buffalo. So, you know, that is what it is. But now one of the things that's going to happen here in Washington, especially if he has like a good first preseason game or something like everyone's going to be like, Oh my God, this guy ran for a billion yards at Buffalo. You know, he's the next big thing. And, you know, I'm still old enough to remember the cult of Sultan McCullough, um, and how everyone like lost their shit over him in the preseason. And, um, I remember like the two, the two idiots on the former JP Finley podcast, whatever, uh, whatever that was called, but, like the two sidekicks that are there they are complete nincompoops. Like they were talking about like guys like they're like, Oh man, Darwin Kidzie is the next Julio Jones. And like, we just have this romanticism with like, um, you know, the, the undrafted free agents and stuff like that. Uh, but at the running back depth chart where I was going with all of this, You have Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and my good friend Peyton Barber. And that's not even mentioning Lamar Miller, who I don't think is really factoring into the long-term picture here. He's 30 years old and he's got a billion miles on those tires. So um, it may be a little bit of a long shot to think that Patterson makes it, but they were very deliberate in signing only one undrafted free agent, who's basically, if you want to look at it, our eighth-round
1: draft pick. You know what's funny about him is – so they trade up the sixth round to get Cheeseman, the long snapper, and then get two extra picks in the – seventh. I don't know if you've heard Ron – Talk about this trade. I don't. I don't think I've ever seen a coach or a team do this. He'd never seen it. He made a he made a trade to move up to. Yeah, it gave us extra picks. He didn't want to deal with signing bonuses. He didn't want to get into negotiating with these undrafted free agents and wanted to get extra picks. So we just didn't have to deal with it. We just take them.
0: It was because he was actually worried that as undrafted free agents, they could and would ask for more money—more money than the sixth seventh round picks would. So he's like, "Why don't yeah. I just get them?" I've a never, slot? I've, I've never, never seen, seen
1: or heard a coach talk about that. If um, if if it,
0: if it happened, no coach would overtly say it.
1: Yeah, and then, well, my uh, did not hide. He was like, "This is why we did it." Because I thought we traded up to draft a long snapper, and I was like, "Okay, that's weird." But I'll get to that later. I actually think it's a good move. Um, of course I do. Uh, but for Patterson, it's interesting because he's our only undrafted free agent. He's the only one we signed. Um, and you're right, he's tiny. He's like five, six and a half. The the, the comp profile I've seen is Jaques Rogers, um, which it's is... Which is Jacquez Rogers. Uh, well, just, I'm just saying what I, what I saw. No, 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 no I know. Um, his name is not Rock Carr which, you know, I'll ping him for. Uh, but this kid... He ran for over 1,000 yards all three years. Um, he ran for over 1,000 yards his junior year in just six games, including going for over 400 that one game, and then he followed that up with Bowling Green with a 300-yard performance. That's 700 yards right there. 700 yards uh, in two games. That's wild. Uh, he was the MAC freshman of the year, his rookie year, or his freshman year. Uh, he only started six games, still went over 1,000 yards. He started all 13 games for them his uh, sophomore year. He was the MAC player of the year ran for 1,800 yards, uh, helped them to their first ever bowl win. Uh, like, this dude just totes the rock, for lack of a better term. Um, he's a little bowling ball, and I get the feeling that he's going to make the team in some capacity. I, I, because he's the only undrafted free agent we're bringing in, and we're not exactly deep at running back, I see him sticking around. I really do, especially if he can play teams
0: that's um, that's exactly what i was going to teams is going to be another big theme of what we're talking about with, the, with these draft picks yeah. um if he plays teams i think he has a great chance but again yeah. like i was saying earlier like i don't think this team has any um not to keep using the word team over and over again but doesn't have any like major well, commitments
1: totally <laughs> uh,
0: to lamar miller right and then you know we were remarkably healthy for the most part at running back you know antonio gibson missed some time towards the second half of the season right but um you know, if McKissick goes down, if Peyton Barber goes down for any stretch, like, you know, Patterson can fill in as that poor man's Peyton Barber type of running back in terms of getting the, you know, the hard short yardage that, you know, Barber was almost automatic for last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, running back is such a weird position. It's not, it's an, such an unthankful position in the league. You don't get paid. You don't get drafted high. No one values it. It's the most um, valuable
0: the nfl next to kicker yeah sorry to and, anyone who thinks otherwise it really is
1: so but that's so that's what's so intriguing to me about it is like do uh, this guy could end up being like really good for all we know james right? robinson
0: say it again james robinson yeah, free agent, top years. six top six in the nfl in rushing last year that is the state yeah. of the running back position
1: and then they drafted uh etn <laughs> yeah
0: that's a classic college move like i'm sorry uh,
1: that's just that was not wise uh so i'm excited about it my I, I do think he ends up making the team. I wonder if he uh, gets some goal line touches because he's kind of so small. You get behind that offensive of line, no one can see him. Um, you're dead on. I don't know if, and I, I could look this up, but I'm not going to. I'm lazy. I have no idea if this guy has good hands or not. Uh, if he's caught any passes, or like, I don't think he was give,
0: I don't think they used him that way. Um, yeah. Like I think that's more than anything else. Like like the knock is, I think it's really unfair. I'm going to talk about this with another player. Although, um, if you knock-
1: want to get in that field with with Scott. Um, uh, Turner, do needs to be able to catch football,
0: Back. right? And I think it's not a matter of he can't, I think it's just a lot of times these college teams like just don't build him into like don't build him, yeah. Into they go, the they go air
1: raid offense and then it's a bunch of draw plays to him, or, or like it's counters. counters. Like,
0: they go like really these polar opposites. So, to that yeah. end, um, before one final note on Patterson, before I move to the seventh round, guys, I want to make this, um, because he's so small, a lot of lazy Washington fans are like, oh, he's Darren Sproles. Uh, no, Jared's—he's Sp- not Darren Sproles. Like Darren Sproles was like, like a light- He was a jitterbug with excellent hands, and Patterson. Isn't quite that player. Like he could develop into a very similar player, but there's a reason sproles as a seventh round pick who was like five, six, and 190 pounds, played so long in the NFL. He was a gifted player. And like Patterson doesn't quite have that skill set, especially the dual threat slash kick return skill set. So let's just stop making lazy comparisons. If there's one thing I hate more than like mock drafts and stupid and grading draft picks, it's lazy comparisons, um, especially if they're on racial lines. But I will end it there. Uh, let's move to the seventh round picks and going in reverse chronological order again. Um, this one kind of made me chuckle because I think he was the guy right before Mr. Irrelevant. Um, Dax Milney from, I think his last name's pronounced Milney, the wide receiver from BYU. Um, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on him because no offense to Mr. Milney or however you pronounce his last name. I just don't think he makes the team. Uh, he's a practice squad guy at best. And I think it's a numbers game. However, if you want to look at him, he is your uh using Pat's racist uh previous comparisons, your Hunter Renfro type of player. Um, you know, your Hunter Renfro I knew, uh I knew uh, that Cole, comment
1: would come back to homie Paul Beasley,
0: <laughs> you know, that type of um shifty guy in the slot. And um in but like a poor man's version of those guys. Uh, but the cool thing was he was actually Zach Wilson's go-to guy at BYU. Like that was his boy. That was that was, he was the Julian Edelman to Zach Wilson's Tom Brady, if you will, um, when the two of them were at BYU. So there's something there. He's you know he's he's he fits that archetype of the Hunter Renfro, cool, Julian Edelman, Cole Beasley uh, player to a T. Much better yeah, than uh, be... who's the who's the idiot we took from SMU a few years ago who couldn't catch a cold if his life depended on it. Trey Quinn. Thank you. I was
1: literally about to be like, yeah. I've seen a lot of people say he's the next Trey Quinn, um, Trey Gruden. He, Gruden loved Quinn, and he loved Ryan Grant. Ryan right, Gruden. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about this guy either. I, I know – I know. well, I know, actually know more about him than I would probably give myself credit for. But, you know, I, he had six games. He went over 100 uh, yards last year. You're 100% right. Whenever Wilson was in trouble or needed to play, he just basically aired it out to this dude. Um, you know, he's – He's got decent size, right? I think he's like – I think he's like six one, two hundred 200 pounds, somewhere around there, um, which for our receiving core is actually kind of big. Um, yeah. I just don't – I mean, that – if you, if we had drafted him a year ago, I would have said he made the team. Yeah. But we've overhauled that wide receiver position so much since the season ended that, like, I don't even know if uh, Gandy Golden's going to make the team. It's and a he legit was drafted the fourth doesn't... round last year. Yep. Um, so, I mean, this guy, look, is there a chance he makes a team? Sure. If he goes in and balls out and, mm-hmm. like, Ron's like, holy hell, this guy. Is he has a James
0: out. Thrash type type of preseason by all means, right? Like, the, yeah. Ron's shown he's not going to cut him.
1: Yeah. And there are some stats for him that are intriguing. Like, uh, I was reading a profile on him yesterday. 73% of his catches went for first downs. Um, you know, so he clearly, unlike some of our receivers in the past, clearly knows where the sticks are. Um, but, like, he was drafted where he was drafted for a reason. Yeah. Um, and when you have a roster with two top-tier guys, you d- use your third-round guy to probably get your slot guy, uh, and then you have some intriguing guys like Cam Sims and and others. He's a camp body that will have a chance to put some tape on, uh, on some film. I think we have three preseason games this year. Uh, he could end up being he's a, he's a practice he's got practice squad written all over him. Hard worker Ron probably likes him. six round practice squad. Just I think he'll be a team just in th- case he's injury.
0: If he's it, wherever his first stop is going to be on teams at any in special teams and, and anywhere, whether it's in Washington or whether it's another stop, I think it's going to be yeah. another stop just because of the numbers game, right? Because you touched on it, like you're looking at the top of the depth chart with Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. Um, Adam Humphreys, our third round pick, which I'll leave for a, m- a moment. We're still talking, you talk about AGG. I forgot, still- I forgot
1: we even had Humphreys.
0: Exactly. No, he seems to be the guy that no one talks about, which I find very funny, right? Uh, Calvin Harmon's still in the picture. Cam Sims, you talked about, again, AGG. So, like, that's six dudes right there. Right. And then we haven't even mentioned Steven Sims, we think is gone. Isaiah, right. who probably think is gone. And then now we're talking about Dax Milne as well. So I think just,
1: it's, it's just the numbers. I could right? see, I could see. Yeah. I I would, I would hope we can figure out a way to keep Isaiah around on the practice squad. Um, I don't think he will ever be particularly good, but he knows the offense. And he's probably just a good body to have around Nate. undrafted guy probably works his ass off. Uh, if, if big, if Milne, whatever, however we pronounce this dude's name, um, if he makes the team, it happens one way, in my opinion. And you said teams. I'm going to slightly disagree with you. The number one way to make any NFL roster is through special teams, but, like, we have aces on special team, Hell, he ain't going to make it over Apke. And Apke's the worst player in the league, but, like, he's actually pretty good on special teams. Special teams. Um, so that automatically will give him a bump. But my, I could see a scenario where, like, he, this guy has two games where Heineke's playing in, like, the third quarter against Scrubs. And just sling the ball around. Yeah, and this and this dude all of a sudden ends up with like ten catches.
0: But I think you said it best. He puts to creating tape for another team. And yeah, no offense yeah. to him, but like, I think that's what his ultimate destiny is. Yeah, um, I'm gonna see you lump, later, Cougar. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lump, lump the next two guys not because they don't deserve their own moment of the spotlight, but I think they're, they're very, the very sim- they're, they're very, very similar players, right? Um, so the two seventh round picks, William Bradley King from Baylor and Shaka Tony from Penn State. Um, I'm gonna talk about Tony for a, just. Um, a slight second here. One thing that was interesting, a couple of things are interesting, actually. Um, number one, he was at the senior bowl and I think there was some, there was some talk that uh, there's a couple of things. So there's one, there's some talk that like the coaching staff developed a little bit of a relationship with him there. Um, as he was falling on day three, his teammates, a couple people in particular, Jesse Lucchetta, who was a big name at Penn state over there and, and Micah Parsons, you might've heard of them. Uh, both of them are like, that it's irresponsible that this guy's falling. He was the heart and soul of our defense or as good as any player in our defense. It's irresponsible that he's, that he's falling. And, um, a couple of people basically said like when he got drafted, like they called him like this dude's going to the steal of a draft, take it for what it's worth. It's your teammate. You're always gonna stick up for your guy. Um, and then another thing was he may have fallen that far because he served, suddenly dropped like 20 pounds from his playing weight. He had COVID. and that that like seriously like took him down like 20, 30 pounds and teams like, Oh my God, he's too small. I think he got down to like 230, 235 pounds. I don't know what position he's going to fit. He's going to play at, but like, that's not really his playing weight. It's just that happened as a result of a disease, a literal virus. Right. So um, I think all of those things, when you kind of put them together, you got a seventh round pick, But a higher round value, if you will. He's not a second round guy, maybe a third round guy, but you could potentially have a talk yourself into a fourth or fifth round, you know, type of player. Similar. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I actually like. I'm I'm gonna talk about him first because honestly, I know more about him. Um, I'm very excited about Chaka. One great name. Great name. Uh, But two, there's actually one part of this double draft picks that makes me very sad, which we can talk about in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know where you're going. Yeah, but Shaka is um, – he's explosive. He's one of those athletes that we drafted that, that is, like, legit explosive. Uh, I think he had six and a half sacks both his junior and senior year. I don't know if he stayed for – yeah, he stayed for Florida. Um And six and a half sacks and what they played, what, nine games or whatever uh, this past year. Like, the reason I like him is he's going to come in to be a situational pass rusher. That's how he's going to get on the field. Like, he's not sitting the edge. Let's put it that way. Um but like with Chase – and he doesn't need to be because with Chase and um Montez, like those are dudes, right? They're gonna play 80% of the snaps. And as they should. They're both all pro caliber players, Young being defensive rookie of the year. Um legit. Tony Tony's gonna come in on third down and they're just gonna be like, go get the quarterback. Yeah. And he's gonna he's gonna be able to spell some um uh, snaps. Now the sad part for me is I do think this ends Kerrigan's chance of making. This is the nail on the coffin for Ryan Kerrigan. I yeah. think it's done. Uh, we drafted two players basically play the same position. Um, so which I really, I really sucks. like Sha- Yeah, it really does suck. Um, although he's still not tight, so you never know. Uh, I think he's getting a wake up call from the NFL right now. Uh, but I like Shaq. He also he's a team captain. Um, you know he's which is probably big for Ron. Uh he comes from a big program. Um and, and he's again he's just one of those athletic freaks that and so is uh what's the triple guy's name? William uh Bradley King. Yeah. One uh, last another thing another on- freak athlete.
0: One last thing on Tony uh, two things from Dan Brugler scouting report uh, said specifically competes with nonstop effort and fight. That sounds like a Ron Rivera player. And even more so uh, Penn state defensive coordinator, Brent Pry is quoted as saying, quote, he might be the smartest guy on our defense from understanding his position and mastering his craft. Those are very much things that Ron Rivera looks for.
1: Love it. I don't know as much about William Bradley King. In fact, when we drafted him, I didn't know who he was. Um, it's, I think he only played at Baylor for a year.
0: He was only at Baylor for a year.
1: Yeah. In fact, I don't know anything really about him. He know. didn't have
0: that great of a year at Baylor, right? Um, he was. It's, it's funny. He was one of those guys that his first X number. High year, IQ guys. I, I think it's two years or something like that at, um, at Arkansas State. He was quite good. He had uh, – uh, so in his, his, at his junior year, eight and a half sacks, 13 TFLs, uh, first team all sunbelt. Um, and I don't remember. Oh, I think he he wanted to transfer to Baylor to like try to get play against a better level of competition. And he finished with three and a half sacks. Uh, he was all Big Twelve honorable mention. Um, so obviously, teams are probably going to look at him and be like, "Well, when he faced a higher level of competition, it, his his productivity didn't translate." But you have to look at everything from last season with an enormous grain of salt, or through an, or a very different lens. Obviously, because of the COVID situation, um, so he was another was, senior. He was another senior bowl guy. I didn't see that, but I'm not denying that. That's very, very potent, um, very likely. Um, for what it's worth, uh, Matt Valdivinos, he's a Washington fan who writes for Pro Football Network. Um, I think it's Pro Football Network, and not Pro Football Focus. Um, he rated both the seventh round picks as like big fat A's. And it's not like he gave every pick an A. In fact, I think he gave same Cosme, like a D or something like that, right? The, the selection of Cosme. So, but he was like, both of these are very, very good value picks. Um, and a couple of interesting things about them. So like you were talking about with Shaka Tony, um, Bradley King is very much like an, a situation can come in and do nothing else to situational pass rushing. Um, and uh, everyone has to love the quote that he put out there that he said, quote, I really model my game after Chase Young. I mean, you,
1: you, that, that's, that's just a very Chase interesting. Chase Young going to be one of those players where everyone coming out of the league is going to be like, I, I'm, I watched clips growing up on YouTube of Chase Young and I want to be him. Just like everyone – says so they want to be Sean Taylor.
0: Sean Taylor, Sean Taylor, man. But yes, well said. Um, but to kind of put a cap on that, I think yeah, you can say like, oh, they're seventh round picks and stuff like that. But kind of going back to your Ryan Kerrigan comment, look at the defensive end depth chart and it's actually quietly really, really, really thin. Strong. Right? Uh well no, like if you take those guys out.
1: I was being sarcastic.
0: So, yeah, exactly. Right. So you have Montez Sweat and Chase Young, obviously we mentioned there, but basically on the team after that, you've got James Smith Williams, our seventh round pick last year, and that's about it at the defensive yeah. end position, especially without Kerrigan. So there is very much a open door for Bradley King and Tony to A, not only make the team, but B become significant contributors after making the team.
1: I think they will be. I think I think Shaka definitely will be um just from what I've read about him, I mean, we need situational pass rushers. Uh, you know, like, what's the one thing in the NFL you can't have enough of? People who can rush the passer. Yes. Yeah. So if they could do that, they'll be on the team because, A, you're right, we don't have a ton of depth, and, B, it's the most valuable asset in football other than having Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady.
0: Actually, the most valuable asset in all of the NFL, as everyone knows, is the long snapper. So I will use that <laughs> as my segue. Excuse for Cameron Cheeseman, and to kind of – to talk about the Shrimp Cheeseman, uh, he joked that because Camaron obviously means shrimp in Spanish, so he goes my name growing up a Shrimp Cheeseman, which is just tremendous, which I think I mentioned in the last podcast. But saying it again because it's amazing, uh, we drafted Cameron Cheeseman from the University of Michigan with our sixth-round pick, who we traded up to get or traded future picks or some permutation of that. We do. traded
1: like yeah, a future pick to move up to get a sixth-round pick to take him.
0: Uh, Ron Rivera really liked him. The first of the several spe- uh, special teams deliberate players that we're going to talk about. Uh, Rivera said this several times in his post-draft presser regarding Cheeseman's game, um, consistency and confidence. Now he's a fucking long snapper. So take it, take it for whatever it is. But uh, Rivera said that I think at least a few times and um, yeah, we drafted Cameron Cheeseman.
1: Yeah, a little mini run on long snappers because the uh, Bama kid went like two or three picks before him. Um, There's two ways to look at this pick, in my opinion. Uh, There is what most of Twitter saw, uh, which is, holy hell, we just traded up to draft a long snapper. Or if you want to look at the more responsible long-term view of this pick, we just drafted the longest tenure of the, of the Washington football team in 10 years. He sticks. I mean, think about how long Sundberg was on our team. Like 12 years or whatever it was. He was there forever.
0: As long as you don't um, fuck up the long snapper position, you have perpetual job security.
1: Yeah. He, I mean, he's got as long – exactly. As long as he doesn't fuck up – the dude has a job for literally the next 10 years. Yeah. And we're – I mean, I, I think Sunberg made like $2 million a year. We just shaved that off to like – it's an extra – $1 dollars that we're putting back into the sack at pretty much every year for the next four years. Uh, by the way, all of our uh, draft picks are signed. Uh, just caveat: Is Davis signed too? Uh, all of them, they all signed today. Get out! I understand. Uh, uh, so, I, <laughs> look, I'm not getting into the nitty gritty of a long snapper. Although he did not, he opted out. He did not play this past year. Uh, uh, it's because he
0: couldn't financially afford to. He wouldn't get a scholarship. And yep. they couldn't afford to pay out of pocket, which is another um, interesting
1: thing. So I think, if I'm correct, he went to the Senior Bowl. Is he another Senior Bowl guy? Did I, make I have that no up? idea. I, I no think he went to the Senior Bowl and just like participated, tonight. even though he didn't play, play in the season at all. And he fun fact about it, he, before the draft, he went and bought a Redskins hat, or football team hat, because he was like, I know they're one of the teams that needs a long snapper. And sure enough, we drafted him. six round. Was not aware of that tidbit. No, Serendipitous.
0: Um, but we could have a starter
1: drafted in the sixth round for the next 10 years, thinking of it that way.
0: And at a, as you alluded to, a very reasonable price, at least for the first several years. Yeah. Uh, and as a replacement for Nick Sundberg, who we've obviously parted ways with. Um, staying on the theme of special teams, although it is not a special team specific position, fifth round pick, Derek Forrest, the safety out of Cincinnati. Um, I read somewhere, kind of combing through my notes right here. Um, he was someone, I think it's him. It's got to be him because I saw it. I'm trying to find why I wrote, wrote it down. Um, Nate Kayser, our special teams coach, was like, draft this dude. I want this dude for special teams. Um, and let's just put aside what he does as a safety for a moment. But, like, he, is, um, he was just one of those guys mm-hmm. where, like, he's going to walk in and, uh, yes, uh, general manager Martin Mayhew just said that safety fifth round Derek Forrest was one of Nate Kayser's top special teamers in the entire draft that
1: ron ron said he was the number one special teams player on our board
0: there you go so just to kind of further confirm that now as a safety um he so he's obviously he was another freak show athlete uh legit four four speed uh, four four speed 11 foot broad jump six under uh, under seven seconds on the three cone and he's at 205 uh, 205 pounds um his athleticism score was tied for the best according to next gen stats among all safeties in this draft is overall athleticism score uh, pro football focus said they gave him a, uh, they were said that he was a 38.3 quarterback rating allowed when he was covering uh, players of the slot, uh, which was, I think, the fifth best, fourth to fifth best among all all draft eligible defensive backs. So he can at least cover, but more importantly, he likes to hit. He is a hitter. He plays physical. So he personifies not only both the athleticism profile, but the versatility slash interchangeability that this regime has talked about so often.
1: Yeah. He, I mean, he's going to be great. I think he's going to be a player that we, like with him and um, Khalid Hudson, I think we have two kind of – Splitter yeah, yeah. They're kind of interchangeable pieces that we can use. Uh,
0: Hudson's another good special teamer.
1: That's my point. like we're slowly putting together a really good special teams And and do you remember? I think it was uh, Shanahan's last year, maybe, where we had historically probably the worst special team. I do remember that
0: we had to one a, a, they were teams were turning everything against us. Yeah, I, was, I remember that very incredible. clearly.
1: And like, we can hate on dust napkins all we want I, I actually think he's a pretty good kicker i know he's he's not like he's not perfect but like for we're not in the kicker kicker fucking wheel so like he's good with me so kicking is fine well hopefully cheeseman locks down long snapping trust is probably the best player in football i'll I'll stand on the table for that one. i'll
0: fight anyone who says otherwise yeah
1: trust Tressway, Tressway is i mean he might as well play quarterback wide receiver running back put him out there um he actually can throw he's like three for three in his career let's get some more trip plays with him going uh and what that leaves is the coverage teams and with forrest hudson and i mean I, hate I even said on twitter that josh bell national players was uh, as bad as trappy that's how bad he's been this year so you know i hate him Oof. uh but like these guys are all quality really good on special teams and what it allows us to we were a top uh punt return unit last year like in terms of def- defending it um you add in trust way in the way you can punt like we are going to dominate field position and Let that's what Ron wants to do and like these are great draft picks in my opinion plus this guy doesn't have to I mean he's maybe he has good depth who knows one of you said uh, he likes to run into blockers or like will seek out contact I think is what he said one of his weaknesses in the NFL.com draft profile is panics and just runs into blockers <laughs>
0: I mean, that's not always a bad bad thing. In many cases, if you're going to just run into a blocker and obliterate the blocker, there's one less guy to block the guy, you know, block for the guy with the ball. Um, To the depth chart point, like, It's the safety position is going to be another one, uh, another year of focus on that because we still have the what's the story of Landon Collins and I firmly believe that this is his last year here. Um, You know you have the the Cameron Curl. Some people are talking about should he be free safety. I am emphatically no against that as much as I thought Cameron Curl was a tremendous player last year and he was. I am firmly in the cult of Troy Jeremy Reeves. um, You almost said Troyaki. Uh, of Jeremy Reeves, I, I think he's awesome. I think he deserves every opportunity he gets, and I think he could become better and better and better. And then Forrest is kind of the, I don't know, the sixth man of the group. Like You could put him in as needed, especially in a pinch, but um, as long as it doesn't mean Troy Epp, he gets on the field for safety from the safety end, just like Troy you should be designate a special teamer, like Reed Dowdy. Reed,
1: Reed Dowdy. Uh, yeah. That dude found his way to starting lineup every year.
0: I know, somehow. Uh, yeah, uh, so... Again, he he's also and he'll he'll almost certainly make the team barring a really like a turn in the punch bowl type of performance in the preseason because he can play both safety spots.
1: I um, mean, I lo- Ron said he's the top special teams guy on board. That dude's making the team.
0: Exactly. like I said, as long as he doesn't really suck a fat one, like I think he's going to be absolutely fine in that in that matter. Um,
1: Again, this 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 draft was so much was built around adding depth. And like it's players like force that are key to long-term success play teams right away. He can learn. He's a freak athlete. That's he's basically what curl was, but obviously curls in the box and turns into be a great player. Like these are the kind of players you take chances.
0: And more importantly, I can't remember who said, I think it was Nikki Javala from the post. No, Take that back. It was Ben standing uh, from the athletic, but he was saying that like, Forrest comes in excited. He, the word he, uh, Ben Stadek actually used was quote unquote jacked at the chance to come in and contribute on special teams right away. So he's not thinking that he's going to be the next Sean Taylor, like right out, of the, right out of the gate or thinking that he's, you know, the second coming of Troy Polamalu or something like that. He's like, no, let me come in and fuck shit up and break stuff on special teams. Cause that's, you know, what I'm really good at and great. I mean, it's hard to see how that's not going to be a
1: fit here. More, more people willing to just grind on, on teams, the better. So when we took, moving on, so when we took, you know,
0: in the fourth round, there was a ton of value entering the day, right? But like you could, I'll say there's a ton of value in one end, but there was also a little bit of a like you could see there's a handful of guys that were still available. thus the ton of value. And I was hoping that like Washington, I can't remember. If we picked like, if it was like still the 19th or 20th pick in the fourth round, but I was hoping there's a couple of guys I had on my list. Can't remember who off the top of my head that like, I was really hoping Washington would grab. So when they took John Bates, that was another like, not head scratcher as in like, why did they take him the head scratchers? Like, I don't know anything about this guy, but um, it was funny because a bunch of people, and I don't know if it's just the function of the draft and draft coverage, but like a bunch of people are really gushing about him. Like when the pick, um, when the pick was Cooley, made.
1: Cooley raves about
0: him, And I'm not even talking about Cooley, right? Like I think, I think Todd McShay and Mel Kiper are very overrated. I think they're more media personalities than actually like doing their job as far as like scouting or whatever. But uh, McShay said, quote, I think he catches the ball as well as any tight end in this class besides Kyle Pitts. That was Todd McShay's quote. And uh, Mel Kiper said basically that John Bates is a huge upside. That's, untapped because of the way he was used in the boise state offense and i think that kind of goes back to what we're talking about i think with jared patterson right where like everyone everyone assumed instantaneously that bates was going to be the blocking tight end logan thomas is the catching tight end and bates was the blocking tight end especially because that matches bates profile but bates did allude to this several times in um interviews he's like look that's how they used me but in the chances where I was able to go out and like run routes and have a football thrown in my direction, I came down with everything. It's just, they didn't let me do that that often. And not because I suck at it, but because that's just how the offense was constructed.
1: Ron, Ron actually called that out. I guess they had an interview and, you know, he basically told Ron, like, cause Ron asked him, you know, why didn't you have more production in college? And he just said, look, I, I wasn't the primary receiving target on hardly any routes i was a third or fourth option and i took what i could get um this guy was drafted to be a willing blocker and logan's backup uh everything i've read about him is he's a great blocker like bullock's done a write-up on him time's done a write-up on him uh, the athletics done a write-up like just hodgepodge group everyone together right little blurbs and all the draft picks Every single person references his ability to block,
0: and if you watch the clips from all of those blurbs, that's very there's very compelling visual evidence to back that up. Like he's a
1: very solid blocker, which is you know honestly well, which is for a backup tight end, it's perfect because then you forget about him, and you will get he'll get some additional catches when people just generally forget about him. Um, I had seen the Kuiper uh, and McShay thing about him being um, a better pass catching tight end than he's getting credit for. You know, his junior year at Boise State, he actually had 22 catches, which, you know, at a college level and a presto offense, I don't think is that bad. Um, what caught my eye is, is Cooley just like – Cooley thinks it's their best pick. Now, it could be some tight end homerism. For I think sure. it is. Uh, But if Cooley – Cooley is not scared to bash players. I think it's one reason he's no longer really on Redskins radio uh, because I think players were getting pissed that he would badmouth them. Um, that's just my own personal take, but like, it does make me sad that he's really into him. We also really needed tight end. The, the worst part about the whole pick is I think, I think it was ESPN.com. Maybe it's NFL.com. Someone put his player profile comp on TV. It's a Jeremy Sprinkle.
0: Daniel Did Jeremiah. Daniel yeah, Je- I, was Dan- like, I was like, I was like, no, get, the, fucking like, up get the kiss of death right there. <laughs> I was going to mention that, that Daniel Jeremiah ironically compared him to Jeremy Sprinkle. It's like, don't do that. Like yeah. Jeremy Sprinkle was the Troy Apke of the offense. Right. Oh. Um, so uh, he was another guy. So as I'm sure you read in multiple instances, like he was a Ron Rivera guy for a couple of reasons, right? Number one, like Rivera loved the makeup. I mean, one, we wanted to, he wanted to block him tight end. Like that was very obvious for quite some time uh, Two, He clearly liked what Bates brought from an on the field and off the field uh, package altogether. Um, there was a the famous one-on-one interview that took place over zoom. And then like uh, Rivera alluded to that, I think when the pick was made, um, but I also think you you hit the nail on the head with the sense that there is a... He's the, clearly the backup tight end or blocking tight end, however you choose to phrase it. I do think there is an upside with him that they're hoping to tap into where he becomes a more of a pass-catching tight end, more of a wide tight end okay. that he can be used. He's pretty under. athletic. And the way the NFL is now, so many teams are starting to use the second tight end, not only in goal line situations, but just as part of the functional offense because they present such a matchup problem. And like... You know he's not. Everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, he's a poor man's George uh, George Kittle." Like, he's not fucking George Kittle, but but he's six five, he's two hundred and fifty pounds, and he still ran the forty and four eights in four point eight seconds. That's Dude, not if, bad.
1: If he's a poor, if he's a poor man's Kittle, fucking sign me up.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, George Kittle's a monster, but um, yeah, he's, the, he's. I think he's the best tight end in football. Him and Kelsey wants to. I was gonna say it's him and Kelsey,
1: um, but they're and they're in their own stratosphere.
0: But again, the, when to your co- the, the interview that took place i think nbc sports did it where they were like you know when rivera asked him like why didn't you catch more passes and this quote was coach i just did what they asked me to do because it's important and that's what the team needed me to do and like if that doesn't get ron's blood moving down ron, south, ron shook his hand.
1: ron shook yeah. his hand and said if you're there in the fourth round i'm taking you.
0: yeah exactly right so you know um it solves the problem for our tight end depth because, good lord, you know, thank God that Jeremy Sprinkle is gone, but that left us with nothing but your Shakespeare boy, and uh, and and and. No, he's
1: gone. He's been cut. Is Hemingway gone too? All yeah, right, they so cut. There him. you go.
0: So we literally have nothing. So it's it's. I mean, he's a layup again, barring some catastrophic circumstance to, uh, to make the team. It's
1: Thomas, draft pick, and insert freak athlete dude played basketball. Never played football before. Oh, I forgot that about seven. Sammy Reyes. I forgot about him Reyes, entirely. That's his
0: I, wow. Good, good call. Like I completely forgot about him. Yeah. He's the,
1: he's the third tight end right now.
0: He is the epitome of developmental guy. He's never played football. Exactly. Literally developmental guy in every sense of the word. I've played more football. Probably. Right.
1: He's Um, legitimately never, he's legitimately never played.
0: No intriguing player. Um, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, like, you know, we don't, again, putting a button on him, we don't need him to be the wide tight end right now, like, to be a pass-catching option. He's going to be another sneaky option that, when like, teams are focusing on the receivers, and they're focusing on Logan Thomas, and they're focusing on J.D. McKissick in an obvious passing situation or a third down and, like, six or something like that. And, like, he'll be the guy that, like, no one is thinking about. He'll slip out. He'll, you know, he'll catch a first down or maybe, like, a red you know a red zone touchdown or something like that. So I think there's a lot of potential there, especially because he's just – everyone's going to come in – everyone's going to see him and assume he's a blocker. So, uh, like the pick grew on to me more and more, despite the fact that I think there were other guys who I was probably a little more enamored with um, available. I mean, that. Kenny,
1: all he needs to do is have one, three catches.
0: Right. That was one of my favorite stats I've ever seen, ever associated with this team.
1: Four, four catches, and he's he's already he's already on his way. Okay, let's
0: get to the real um, interesting trio of selections, or I guess the higher profile ones. We'll start with Deami Brown from North Carolina, just by continuing to go in the chronological order. Um, yeah. in, interestingly enough, Daniel Jeremiah again referencing him, comp- comped him to Terry McLaurin um daniel dane brugler again from the athletic compared him to stefan diggs i will take both, all good things all of those comps, right stefan diggs was i think number one in the nfl last year in receiving yards or something very very high up there but he was nothing short of incredible last year um a couple of interesting tidbits about um about brown from um his career in north carolina 10 catches of 50 plus yards or uh, since 2019, so over the last two years, which was the most in college football. Uh, according to whatever PFF calls a contested catch, he, or contested target, he never dropped a single contested target, despite the fact, the fact that a bunch of people said, like, oh, his hands are suspect or whatever, well, like, according to the metrics, they're not. Um, one thing that I did not discover until, like, literally several hours ago, as I was kind of doing a little reading on him further, uh, he almost went to Virginia Tech. Gotta loop that back in. Obviously, he did not go there. Um, that was one of his two finalists. He went to UNC. And as repayment for that, in twenty twenty, he had a game where he had three catches for eighty six yards and two touchdowns against tech. And that um when like UNC was like number eight or something. And he basically just single handedly like he clowned their secondary and um such is life. But um
1: Dude, getting he, back to the- he put up he put up like two hundred yards against EVA last year. Getting to the macro
0: point, um, John Kime did a couple of podcasts uh, with, or did at least one podcast with some of the guys from the Draft Network. And I listened to the guys from the Draft Network, their their recap of the NFC East picks. And if you look at all 10 of Washington's picks, in terms of their big board, they had De'Ami Brown ranked the highest. I think they had him ranked 38th on their top 100 players. They had him ranked ahead of Jamin Davis. They obviously had him ranked ahead of Sam Cosme and everybody else. But that's how highly they thought of De'Ami Brown. And there was legit, it wasn't bullshit, but there was legit buzz that like some team like the Packers or something like that at the end of round one could fall in love with him and take him in the first round. And like nobody would have really raised their eyebrows that much if that happened. And yet we got him late in the third.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he's a lot of people's favorite pick. One, he's, he's kind of the sexy pick because he's a, he's a receiver. Wide receiver. Uh, I think he's only, I don't think he was the only one. I think he's only one of two or three, but he had uh, only receivers in the FBS to have back-to-back years of 1,000 yards receiving. Um, you know, he had eight catches, eight touchdown catches over 40 over forty yards or more. So he had, you know, whatever, 50-yard catches, but eight of them went for six. He's an intriguing player. He's also going to wear number two, which I think is sweet. Um I want to say he's my favorite pick, but my favorite pick is probably going to end up being saint Teisman. Saint jesus or, Te- or but i'm I'm excited for Brown because um the thing i am most excited about is when you think about our offense last year and the inability to stretch the field, yep, it was nauseating I mean there's a lot that goes into that, right There's a quarterback with one leg who can barely fill the ball two two yards um or there's a Nobody's quarterback who. Who goes through his reads backwards and gets cut midseason, um, and then you have an offense that basically has to figure it out. And what happens is we either run the ball or try to disguise running backs best we can to get them in space, uh, and or hit Terry McLaurin and just hope oh, magic happens. Fast forward to this year, you now have a quarterback whose whole NFL career is built on fucking magic. Yeah, magic. I'm going deep. He's got Rex Grossman in him, but like he's more beloved than Rex Grossman, which is kind of hard to believe because, boy, did I love me some Rex. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then what I'm most intrigued about is the way he fits our offense. So you have Thomas, who kind of eats up that like, five to ten yards um, middle of the field. You'll have McKissick and, and Gibson coming out of the backfield, disguised, lots of emotion. Uh, not emotion, motion. And then you have McLaurin and uh, Samuel, both of whom take the, take the top off if they need to but they're also going to be in motion just constantly, right? So with Brown, you have a legit home run threat, and those safeties have to respect it. If he hits just two early on, let's say in the first eight games, he hits two just bombs. That changes our entire offense because then, like, now you have three receivers with all four four four-plus speed. I mean, we I think it was Brown afterwards was like, we have more speed than the Chiefs. And I was like, yo, first off, Catch a ball in the NFL before he challenges. Slow your roll, slow
0: your roll. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, and we probably don't because Tyreek is faster than anybody in the league. Uh, but the point is, is like now all of a sudden we have three receivers that can absolutely book it. And I, I like the play of the year last year that will haunt me until at least this next season starts. Is in that playoff game when I think it was Heineke's first or second pass? I
0: know what you're and talking Sims about.
1: Sims was uh, Sims was open deep, and A he dropped it, and B. If he was just like a little bit faster, that ball's like in his pocket. And it was it was a perfect throw that he dropped. Set the tone and I, it it set the tone of the day. it made me hate our receivers way more than I ever thought I could, and I already hated them enough at that point.
0: I'm glad you brought up the There's ty- no
1: it. position there's no position on our team that is more improved than the wide receiver. It's night and day.
0: It's a legit one. And
1: and our offense might be sick. <laughs>
0: I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid. Like I've, I, I've had one glass. I'm like, this is a delicious Kool-Aid. I would like to pour me a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth class. Dude, we I'm got sp- speed. We have speed everywhere. I am really starting to drink a lot of Kool-Aid. I, I, I'm fully admitting this. So let's go with Brown, right? Um, first thing, I'm glad you brought up Tyree Kill. As I was going to say earlier, um, I saw a lot of Washington fans be like, oh, he's just like Tyree Kill." Uh, no, no, stop. Stop! Stop! That's
1: a, that's a one in, that's a one and done type
0: player. Tyreek no Hill, players. like for people who are fans of Marvel Comics or the X Men, Tyreek Hill's fucking Nightcrawler, man! Like that guy is amazing, right? Like I, personal, you know, personal stuff, off the field stuff, put aside, he's incredible, right? On like, that, the
1: football field, he's incredible.
0: On the field, he's he's absolutely incredible. But he's no, this, he's, he's he's that's not. I, it's even Apple and Orange comparison. I'm not saying like De'Ami Brown's not that talented. He's probably not. But it's just even apple and orange comparison. The thing that's interesting, so I'm going to take the opposite end of the, the spectrum, but in the same vein, if that makes any sense about what you just said in terms of the way Brown, like how enough a defense would have to look at the guys rolling out there. If you're a defense, and this happens in the NFL more than you'd think, you see our offense, you're like, shit, I got to account for Terry. I gotta account for uh, Curtis Samuel. I know Humphreys is gonna be annoying in the slot. I gotta worry about McKissick or Gibson in the backfield because I know both of them can catch passes. They've already had an established reputation for that. And I know Logan Thomas is a another nuisance in the intermediary. Brown is gonna catch some teams by surprise. He's going to get lined up on a fourth corner, a fourth, fourth or fifth corner, and he is going to burn them and it's going to result in a couple of game-altering touchdowns. Over the first course of the first eight game seasons, the first eight games of the season, like you said, like teams are, they're not going to have him scouted for their game plans quite yet, and he and we're going to be like we have this little weapon that we like that we're ready to unleash to you know kind of change the the momentum of any given game, especially as teams are so focused on the newly stacked group of weapons that we do have
1: at the moment. Humphreys, this is random, but to your point, just because like with Brown speed. Samuel speed, McLaurin speed, all sub four or all four four guys. Humphreys is going to eat.
0: He's totally going to.
1: He's, he's just going to sit in the middle of the field 10 to 15 yards. And he has already a relationship. And his best year as a pro is with Fitzpatrick. That dude's going to have like 50 plus catches. And I we, we lauded, rightfully
0: so, Logan Thomas and McKissick for so long for last year. But they were force-fed targets because, you said it yeah, we had nobody else to throw to, no way right? To get,
1: yeah, no one else to throw the ball to.
0: And I think a lot of those theoretical targets are going to go in Humphreys' direction, right? Like Humphreys' direction, obviously Curtis Samuel's direction. Um, but a lot of those – like,
1: My worry with this wide receiver – sorry to cut you off mm-hmm. – uh, about the about the wide receiver. This is mostly just – I'm thinking about someone getting right up on Twitter and going haywire on McLaurin. McLaurin had, what, like 87 catches last year for 1,000 yards, somewhere in that, in that realm. He's going to end up with like 65 catches, and people are going to be like, he had a down year. He's going to have less catches because we can throw the ball to six different people rather than just him or Logan Thomas. I like, don't think we, Washington, wide, fans are,
0: Washington fans are going to look at down our, year. The rest of the NFL is going to downgrade McLaurin because of the stat-based things, the, the box score watchers for sure.
1: Well, all I'm saying is there's no more improved position on our team than wide receiver. And it starts. It starts with signing Curtis emails, the under the radar signing of Humphreys. Now we got Brown, and then we have a couple dudes like I don't like A-G-G, I talked about. It. He's a fourth round pick. He was Ron's first fourth round pick, and he might be cut after one. Year. There's
0: no guarantee he makes the team, especially after missing all of last year. Um,
1: Mark Bullock is had
0: the news. had a couple of really interesting points. I was reading his write up on 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 um, on Deami Brown, and he's like, "Look, there's a, so a couple things about Brown." in particular, that Bullock highlighted. Brown is another player who mentioned they were like, everyone looked at him like, oh, he's just a deep threat. Oh, he's just a deep ball guy. And he specifically mentioned, he goes, that's how they used me. For instance, do you know he lined up at like 95% of his snaps on the left side of the field? Like they literally never let him line up on the right. He was like Zoolander, right, of, why, <laughs> of, of the receivers, right? They, they literally, they're like he's – he's an, an, omni- he's an omni-turner. Right, he can only line up on the left. And like that's not because he – can't play on the right side like like, no your role is on the left side of the field that's all they didn't like their role was your, your role is on the left side of the field and you can only run routes that are more than like 15 yards down the field so everyone's like oh well he can't run the route tree When they're like it's not he can't they just never asked him to like that was just a function yeah. of unc's offense too so, much too much pigeon so Brown actually took it upon himself to work on those routes on his own and like develop those on it by himself. Cause he's like, look, I know I'm gonna have to run these someday. It's just in this stupid ass offense. All they're asking me to do is run nines and posts. And, you know, I gotta diversify a little more than that. So I think that's one reason why he fell. Because like, like NFL.com was like uh, quoted this NFL, uh, this NFC general manager. They're like, "Well, uh, his lack of route running doesn't fit what we want in our system." I'm like, "It's not his lack. It's just that he wasn't asked to do that, right? Like, if you're not asked to do something at your job, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just you haven't been asked to do so, so you don't have any evidence to show this that you is- can."
1: We can move on for Brown because I think yeah, I could
0: talk about Brown all night. I, could talk uh, about I have a lot, but a, for the sake of the, expediency.
1: And this is not a comparison, so please, do when I say this name, don't be like, what the fuck, Pat? You're so. <laughs> this is not meant to be a comparison, but it reminds me of when DK was drafted because everyone was like, he can only run one route, straight, and that's the go line. route. And look, he's one of the best receivers in the league now. Now, granted, he's an absolute specimen of a human being. But, like, he doesn't just run deep. He runs a lot of stop-and-go rights. He he runs a lot of comebacks. He runs a lot of ends. Like, he's a lot more diverse of a route runner than people give him credit for because all people ever heard was, oh, at Ole Miss, all he had to do was run straight. Well, no shit because he was in college and he was faster than everybody, so he could just run straight. Uh, My point is, is like, a lot of these ways these players get shoehorned into, like, this is their position is, like, no, it's because they're so – dominant at that one thing college teams can just exploit it over and over and over and over again yes
0: right, and that's what um, he did in many cases he was good at number one running the route deep and number two which i think is another very subtle or a very underrated uh, aspect of his that a lot of people don't talk about despite the fact that he's only about 6-1 or something like that he was so good in jump ball contested ball situations right and yeah. again so even if well, the how
1: far- health there's a great deep ball
0: even if the ball's slightly under thrown with Fitz magic or, you know, or it's just in a contested situation or like the safety rules up deep, you have such a high probability that Brown is still going to come down with the ball, right? Like he is excellent hand-eye coordination. He's so good at tracking the deep ball, like the over the shoulder thing. And another thing I loved about Brown Um, I'll end it here because I could talk another 30 minutes about him but for sure, is the fact that like there's so many times where he was running crossers and the pass was outside the strike zone and he was very focused on catching it and he brought it down. Like I saw he had a couple of weird drops. You can put the chart of any wide receiver, like any athletically gifted wide receiver, they're going to have some wonky drops every now and then. I saw so many catches that Brown made where like it's not a perfect pass. He reeled it in very cleanly and he was able to not break stride and continue to pick up some yards after the catch. Um, super exciting pick and finishing my point about where Bullock, what Bullock was saying, there is a world where McLaurin is the X, Brown is the Z and, uh, Samuel and Humphreys are playing on the inside. How the fuck do you stop that?
1: No. Nope.
0: Uh, all right, let's get to our final two so we can call it. Um, your boy, yeah. this was my least favorite time. pick. I'm just, I'm going to call it out now. I, I am, I'm very, I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I genuinely hope to God I'm wrong, but this was absolutely my least favorite pick. I I'm, i don't know, but uh, Benjamin St. Juice, the cornerback from Minnesota. Um, I've heard many good things. Uh, the big thing was particularly, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but there, I think Daniel Jeremiah again said it right on the NFL Network draft broadcast that like, Oh, a bunch of teams, he was like skyrocketing up their draft boards and like the week leading up to it. And like Washington realized that if they don't take him there. They're not going to get him again and their other third round picks. So that's why they kind of, he didn't use orb word reach, but they might've taken him at the spot that they took him. Um, 6'3", 202 pounds, very impressive sub four second short shuttle, which is another lateral quickness measure. Um, but uh, I- I'm going to stop there. That's, that's my thoughts. I'll get you to chime in, and you can be more positive on this one.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about him. I think uh, he's just an interesting draft pick all the way around, right? So he's Canadian, for starters. Um, he was the second-best Canadian prospect coming out of his class. No, I do the first one. I just know he's the second-best. He went to Michigan for a year, played, uh, and then they basically forced him to retire. They're like, we're not going to give you a scholarship. You need to retire from football. And he got, a waiver, he got a waiver and wound up in Minnesota where he ended up being pretty good. Um, so I, there, I don't think there's actually a ton of tape on this guy, right? So he's, he's got the Davis aspect to him in the sense that he only really started for a year. Um, but, like, he has got the physical traits that, like, the NFL wants in terms of size. He, I mean, for his position, he has elite size. And to your point around the cone drill, like, another absolute freak. Yeah, And what's interesting about him is like, again, he's another player that just adds depth to a position that needs it because we talked about this. At least I know, I know I've talked about this on this podcast multiple times. We were very fortunate last year with how healthy Darby and Fuller were.
0: One of the most underrated storylines of last year.
1: Yeah. They didn't miss. I mean, I think Fuller missed the first two games. And then, so they played 14 and 16 games respectively. Um, And that means a lot because Darby, I don't think it ever had a single healthy season. Um, Then you add in the fact that we had Moreland was healthy for most of the year. Um, Moreau was healthy, even though he just never played because he didn't have to play. Um, Like this guy provides more depth and he's, I think this is my take on this draft pick. He is a versatile player that Ron likes. I'm not hundred percent sure this guy stays at corner. Uh, Ron has already mentioned they, you know, they may look at him at safety, uh, just to add some more depth there, so he can line up kind of any anywhere within the um, defensive backfield. So I like him. He also replaces Moreau. He is definitely a like we need to get a corner in here. Um, type pick. This is when I'm. He my guess is he was our best player available at that position because um, we needed to add a corner with Moreau walking off his rookie contract, um, and. I don't know. I'm excited about him. I, I, there's not a lot about him, right? He makes a lot of tackles. He's good. He's huge. Um, I, think, I think the cons are just like one, how serious was that injury that he had to freaking retire? And B, like he only played, you know, 10 games as a starter. So is there enough tape to really justify drafting him in the third round?
0: I think he's too raw. I just think he's way too raw, right? Like he's, he's all tools and little like production and instinct. And like, so that that's so insanely important for the cornerback position, right? Like, okay, I get the six, three, I get the 33 inch arms. I get all of those things. Like he's a super hard worker. He's another intangibles player. Like he has got all of those things, but there's two things in particular. One, the rawness of him, right? Like, He's just like, he's like the deer who doesn't understand how, how long his legs are. Like he's just, he's kind of is all limbs and not an all athlete. You can see very much in many cases, like when you watch him, I watched a bunch of highlights on him trying to convince myself and, or talk myself into him. You can see the converted wide receiver playing cornerback. Like it's very, very obvious. And it's not in a, good way in many cases like a richard sherman type of player right Mm -hmm. and a lot of people like oh he's just like richard sherman like just stop just 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 stop like richard sherman is richard sherman at the end of the day and um it's funny because like sherman they found such a perfect fit for him in that seattle style cover three and like that's not a good fit bullock did a really good breakdown of him bullock was also very bearish on um on the on on the saint jews pick before i you know i formed my opinion before i read his stuff but he was saying that like look you know Rivera likes to run a certain type of scheme into this defense, and that doesn't necessarily fit the type of skill set that St. Juice has. Um, you know, I think there's there's moments where like Del Rio will introduce more of the press man that probably fits more of St. Um, uh, a skill set. But my only solace in this, you touched on it a little bit, is that like if you look at our cornerback depth chart, you've got Kendall Fuller, Will Jackson, and. Uh, at the people's corner, uh, Moreland, as the top three. So it's not like you're expecting big minutes right away from St. Jesus. Like you could even potentially have him play by Strowman if you're not comfortable with him right away, right? Uh Of course, then the question becomes, as you also alluded to, the what happens in injury situations.
1: Yeah. I don't know what your boy Jeremiah said about like that. I know um, from what I've – little research I've done on him, he basically got drafted in the third round because of potential, and he had an excellent senior bowl. Um, everything you read about him in the senior bowl, like people were tweeting out, this dude just made himself a lot of money this week. Uh, biggest day one risers. He's on that list. Um, you know, I, look, is it is it too early to draft on potential in like a couple games like that? Probably, yes. But if it feels death, I, I'm, maybe it's our worst pick. But it's the most intriguing pick to me.
0: I'm um, I'm, I'm I'm given how much we like the other picks, I'm probably just unnecessarily critical of this. Um, the thing I kept telling myself, and I think I said this to my friends in my Slack thread, where like it's a very common um practice in sports where like if you have two picks in the same round like let's say you have two picks in the first round or of any draft and this could be in, it this happens basketball all the time as much as it happens in, in in football i'm sure it happens in baseball i'm just not as aware of it right what happens is if you got two picks one of the picks you use on the value guy like oh shit i can't even believe it's available we gotta go grab that guy and you drop one of the picks you use on the project guy and i feel like mm-hmm. brown and saint juice are very much of that archetype right like brown's like that's the guy he should have been a top 50 pick Let's go grab him, use it, and then use our uh, one of our third-round picks on him. But the other one's like, this is our project. This is the one where, like, if it hits, we're golden. And, it, uh, again, like, you know, St. Just has the ability to be a Richard Sherman type of player from the sense that he's a matchup problem because of the length and wide receiver, like, instincts that he provides. Richard Sherman's Richard Sherman. I'm not saying they're the same player, but just the problems that he poses because of his length and, and instincts, right? Um,
1: also, there's I, a don't lot know, I don't know how much – I don't know how much credence this, this holds or if this really means anything, but to your point around like when you have two picks, you can take the guy that you can take one guy with just massive untapped potential. It wasn't our pick. It, it was, was the, the pick San we got for Trent. It, it was a San Trent. Francisco pick. So whether that plays into that or not, I don't know, but I could see them. you like, it's almost a gold, gold nugget. We are, we're not supposed to have this. So let's take it on a player that has immense potential. Um, but you know, we're not 100 now. I don't agree with that personally. I think you take the player that makes the most sense for your team, uh, but I could see that in the NFL, where like you're totally right. People in the NBA just draft on potential. If you're 18 and and have a seven four wingspan, you're going to the top ten.
0: I still Uh, remember that draft that the Boston Celtics had where they had four first round picks or something. And like, they drafted a bunch of euros. And I mean, there's a bunch of teams do this. Like you draft a Euro who could like, you you stash him and it it works great. if it doesn't, the Alexei Petcharovs, if you will, for Wizards fans, right?
1: It happens with in baseball, but not as much because it's harder to get those kids to sign. Uh, Because a lot of that potential is Cole Henry's a good example of this, who the Nats have Cole Henry through 98 as a senior. And would have been a first round pick, but he was like, I'm going to LSU. Yeah. So he ended up being drafted in the 38th round and then got drafted in the second round. And the Nats had to pay big money to get him. Different story, long, long different podcast. More of the story is it's harder to get the untapped people in, in baseball because most of them will decide to go to college. That makes sense. It's unlike unlike the NBA where you can be drafted as you know you're a seven foot four or seven foot. Kevin Durant, freshman, who's going to go straight to the NBA and make bank. Or you're an 18 year old. There's 98. That's going to have to spend two years in the minors on a bus. Right. You go to college. Which brings us to Cosme. Which, which brings
0: <laughs> us to Cosme because University of Texas is an amazing college. It's actually a really great school. I visited the campus years ago. It's beautiful. Austin awesome. It's a be- great city, beautiful campus. Really enjoyed it. I, there are very few campuses that I will say are as pretty as in Blacksburg, obviously being very biased, but I really, I really, really like Blacksburg? Oh, are man. Black, uh, back in my day, man, Blacksburg was gorgeous. I don't know what it's that's Probably back in,
1: the, back in my day. Get in ton, I know, was back. your
0: age. Um, yeah, that old Dumpy at
1: school.
0: I need a couple of beers before I get really fired up by UVA and start and uh, and, and start start trashing things over there.
1: UVA um, poor UVA poor man's Gettysburg.
0: I had a I had a coworker Sports. who used to tell me all the time. She goes, "We are the Princeton of the South," you you know, and I'm like, "Go fuck yourself!" Like I couldn't stop saying like just every time she said that, I was like, just literally. Um, back on topic. What Sam caused me. <laughs> Uh so let's we 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 touched on this a little bit um with Cosme but I think freak I get as another another super ridiculous athletic freak um there are a bunch of people so there's it's like two sides a bunch of people are super excited about him they think he's the next you know athletic he's left a tackle. Pick for sure but um there's a bunch of people who are like looks like Tarzan plays like Jane and I think that's also very very too far on the other end of the spectrum I think there's a lot of athletic tools to work with as we've talked about. I think what really happened with him is that he kind of got downgraded because everyone viewed everything about the University of Texas as being overrated just because they didn't play well for the last X number of years. And I think he got kind of caught in that
1: wash. Have you followed the storyline that, like, the coaches just didn't help him at all? Like, he dropped because he got shit coaching from Texas?
0: I, bu- I totally believe it. That, that's,
1: that's a real storyline. But people yeah. think he just, like, didn't get any good coaching, so he relied – all natural ability. And his tools. And, and it's very are like, clear. He could be amazing if you just fix him.
0: Right. Uh I think Bullock touched on that a little bit. And he was like, get him with like our offensive co- offensive line coach and that's you could like, and, out, whatever. And you could really get some get something out of him. Um and he fits the archetype of what so many teams are looking for in the left tackle. Like you're no longer looking for the I mean you are because he was amazing, but like the big Leon let type of massive offensive tackle, right? Like if you can get him, that's great. But um, you're probably looking for more like the Leon. Like, um, tr- I'd say Trent Williams is small it's ridiculous because Trent Williams was fucking like He's a monster. He's a monster. But, a, like, a twinkle, the more athletic, toes. the more athletic moving type of tight end, right? the The converted, um, the converted tight end who can now who like you know turned into a six foot three, you know t- three hundred fifteen pound guy, but who can still move so deftly. Wasn't
1: Peters? Wasn't Peters a
0: tight end? Yeah, I never liked Jason Peters just because he played for the Eagles. So,
1: well, I think he fits the narrative you're talking
0: about. He does fit it, but I'm not going to acknowledge that. So,
1: If you want to see an outrageous clip, there is a play that Texas runs where it's a throwback to Cosme. <laughs> and he catches he essentially catches a, a lateral, and he runs for a touchdown. Holy hell, this guy can move. I my mouth, like he looks like a tight end running. He's faster than half the people on the field, and he's also just happens to be you know, I don't know. Well, I don't know how big he's, he's like 6'6, six, six, 315 or something in that general uh, neighborhood. Yeah, he's a huge human being, and the way he was moving was Trent Williams esque. Not comparing him with Trent, Trent's an all pro player, I love him to death. My point is, like, this is a dude who's going to be able to get in space and maul people once we fix him. And because we just signed Leno, now we have Lucas, Leno, Cosme, Sadiq, if we need him. Uh like he's not gonna have to play and then for all the like talk around the coaching, tell you what, he gets a year to bake, phew, he's gonna be great. Calling it right now. Imagine like,
0: you know, with a little more seasoning and if he can stay healthy, like, you know, there is a future where we're talking about Cosme and Sadiq Charles as like, you know, the guys of the future. It could be there's a future where they they don't pan out and we just part ways and nothing ever happened. But you have to be at least excited about the potential of that, right? Um, every
1: draft pick pans out.
0: Every single that, draft, always rule. <laughs> uh, it always pans out. Um, going back to Cosme, it was it was very clear in many cases, right? Because you could see that, like if he can get in front of a guy, like he can he can move laterally, um, and he can when when he, when he is able to kind of position himself well, like even the best speed rushers and anything like that, they like they struggled with him because he's just such a good athlete. And I think playing him, like Rivera, was very clear that this guy is going to be a left tackle. And everyone's like, oh, why isn't he a guard? Why isn't he a right tackle? Like, no, that's the right decision, right? Because if you're lining up against some of the freak show speed rushers that you will be, um, he's got the movement ability to kind of go mano a mano with them if he can just clean up some of his technique. And it really, really does come down to just cleaning up technique. I mean, he can finish. uh, He can finish when he, again, applies proper technique. He can block, and he is really, really good at just, sealing off against athletic players. It's just a matter of polishing
1: that diamond. Yeah, from what I've read, his feet are the biggest problem. Uh, apparently, he, like, backpedals like he's a defensive back.
0: But I think it's technique of the feet versus, like, like there's, Dude, totally. ba- there's having bad feet, and, like, that's not him.
1: No, bad feet, I mean, like, yeah, it's all technique, but apparently he literally backpedals. Uh, the thing I – I mean, I, I'm going to harp on this. As long as we talk about him I'm just going to keep harping on it. Today's signing of Leno – it's genius. It's genius.
0: I thought it was a great signing too. Not because, because of Leno, but because of the depth.
1: It just it creates out. I mean, Lucas is pissed about it, but guess what? I don't give a shit. Earn your spot. On, you're playing in the national football league. You got to compete for a job. We also just signed a top 20. Actually, I think he was the 32nd ranked tackle, right and left, um, in the NFL last year, and we signed him for $5 million. Nothing to it. You know, one year, $5 million deal. Great signing. The reason I love it is because we keep talking about Cosme's technique and we keep, like, that's why he fell. Some people had him as a first-round tackle but fell because of this. Now we basically get a year for him to not have to play right away. Now, maybe he, maybe he comes in and, like, just absolutely dominates and in which case he would play. But if you're going to come in and play tackle, left tackle in the NFL, you're either a stud, you're a Trent Williams, you're, like, some freak athlete who just – locks it up, or you, you need a, probably a little seasoning, and he has the attributes, but he doesn't have the seasoning, those two together, not to mention, to quote, uh, you know, the famous quote, iron sharpens iron, this dude's going to get to go against Chase Young and Montez Sweat every single day, right, like, he's going to know what it's like to go against dudes, um, not to mention, you know, he's going to see Shaka, he's going to see Bradley, Bradley King, like, He's going to see top edge rushers just constantly, and he's going to learn quickly that if he doesn't get it figured out, um, you know he's not going to play. So. I've-
0: I echo your I like point it. about the first round pick. Like he could, he should have been a first round pick early in the draft process. He was looking like a first round pick. I think as people just start to nitpick his game and nitpick the flaws think, about him, honestly, it that pushes down. I think
1: he down. Goes anywhere else other than Texas. He probably is a first round pick.
0: So I was actually going to go to people that. People are like,
1: bashing. People are bashing. The
0: people program. are crushing Texas right now, rightfully so. That program has been a problem since basically Mack Brown left. Um, but I compared him. So if we're going to go player comparisons, this is one that I kind of had. Um, He reminds me a lot of Jonah Williams from Alabama and Jonah Williams is, is a better player, like a more polished prospect, but like not that much more better than Cosme, but like, everyone's like, Oh my God, Williams could have been a top five prospect. And he was, I think it was the 11th pick um, in his respective draft. And again, there's a universe where like Cosme goes somewhere else and he ends up with that type of, you know, accolades because he's not playing for a program that's just been a, turd that won't flush down the toilet bowl the way texas has been and this is coming from someone who actually has a soft spot from the university of texas program um but they, they, they just stunk as of late and i think everyone like their defensive end uh linebacker joseph Asai, like he's a really good player i really enjoyed watching him he s- slipped i think the second or third round because again everyone's like oh well you know the texas program sucks among other players i'm probably missing right now so i think cosme was as mentioned was kind of washed up in that but more than anything else, he fits the zone blocking scheme of what we're trying to accomplish right now. And it's just a matter of kind of coaching him up and um, developing that talent. Because if they do, they have a very solid player on their hands. I don't know that he's going to necessarily be an elite uh, offensive tackle in the NFL, but like, if you're looking at someone like he reminds me a lot of Eric Fisher, who like he, he's famous, Fisher's famous. Cause I think he was the number one pick in the 13 draft. And like, so everyone he's never lived up to that, but like, he's a really solid left tackle, right? Like he's at least a middle-of-the-pack NFL left, if, left tackle. If
1: we just drafted Eric Fisher at 50 51 like right? slam dunk. So Also, he ran a 4.8. <laughs> which stupid. is ridiculous, right? And he's 315 pounds. That's faster than Bates or the same speed as our tight end.
0: Um, all right. We have gone on for a good amount of time, but this is good. Um, lots of good stuff here. Uh, probably because there'll be a little bit of a pause in, in, in FL content, for, or at least Washington content. Hopefully, not that much. But um, so, for everyone who's made it this far, thank you as always. Um, hopefully, we'll keep doing this as stuff, there's stuff to talk about. But until then, we will sign off now and talk to you. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.